Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about National Signing Day and an epic win over Duke. I'm Wes Chang, and I'm here with 2003 national champion Andrew Cowie, and our guest today is CuseConfidential.com's Ryan Murray. Ryan, thank you so much again for coming on today. No problem, Wes, anytime. Ryan, obviously this is like Christmas Day for, uh, for people who follow recruiting. Syracuse signing 25 players on NLI Day. How do you feel about the overall strength of this class as compared with recent years? Overall with this class from, from years past, I really like the, the depth of this class from, from the top player, uh, K.J. Williams, all the way down to a, a two-star like uh, Kaden Samuels. I think everybody on this um, National Letter of Intent Day uh, is going to be able to contribute to Syracuse um, very early. I'm not saying that they're going to do it when they step on as freshmen, but I think there's a chance for everybody to uh, compete for jobs, um, maybe freshman year, redshirt freshman year, into their sophomore year. I think this is a very talented class, and there was some um, needs that were addressed in this class also. They just didn't go out and grab some top talent. They definitely went out, knew where they needed to improve on, and they hit those areas, and everything was, was great for Syracuse yesterday. They should be very pleased. Now, at the last minute, Syracuse at 11 o'clock yesterday, uh, Denzel Ward, it's six foot eight, 300-plus pound offensive lineman from the Chicago area. He picked Syracuse over South Florida and Vanderbilt. I mean, how big of a get is this for Syracuse? I, I, he's literally big, but how big metaphorically is he for Syracuse? Well, I, I think uh, um, I'm not going to take anything away from Denzel Ward. He's definitely a, a, a nice get for Syracuse. But I think because he waited till signing day to announce his decision, um, he's kind kind of being a little overhyped for for Syracuse fans. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great prospect, but I, I, I think that other players in this class are going to be more important than Denzel Ward. I think down the line, he's got all the physical tools to compete for a job uh, at Syracuse. But I think being that last uh, last recruit that came on, and and people look at his size, and they see that. Um, the, the schools that he, he had listed um, kind of get him a little hyped up. I, I, I like him as a, as a football player, but I, I, like I said, I think he's taken away a little bit from us, other players in the class. Um, a great prospect for Syracuse, um, but I, I look at other players as well, not just uh, not just uh, Denzel Ward. So let's let's go off that for a moment, uh, a little bit off the script. 
you mentioned a lot of great cut players coming in. It's not just Denzel Ward. I guess he's, you know, like you said, he's overhyped because he comes at the last moment. Who's the crown jewels of this class? Who are the players that, you know, two or three years down the line, we're going to be looking back and saying, hey, that guy was a great get for Syracuse, even though he may not receive the most hype. Um, I, I think you got to look at a guy like Colton Mosco and Zaire Franklin on the defensive side of the football. Those guys committed really early on, and I think uh, after a red shirt freshman year, those guys are going to compete um, as, as linebackers for Syracuse and be big time contributors. Chris Slayton, a defensive end from uh, from Chicago, uh, is also a guy that had a ridiculous offer list. Um, he's got you know, about six five, two hundred and seventy pounds, and and he's got the the talent that he could maybe play next year on on the football field. I mean, Syracuse got him over schools from Michigan State, uh, Miami was looking at him, uh, Missouri, Nebraska, uh, Ohio State didn't offer, but they were looking at him. I mean, Chris Lincoln's a, a big time get that I think gets overshadowed a bit by um, players like KJ Williams and Steve Ishmael on the offensive side of the football. We're going to be great players. Uh, they got, like I said, Denzel Ward, but Chris Slayton's probably a guy that, that could really surprise down the road. He was a, a quiet guy during the recruiting process, didn't talk too much, so I don't think people know too much about him. But he's going to be a guy that some people can say, you know, two or three years down the road, wow, that was a real good gift for that class. Ryan, the news coming out recently, um, just a couple, uh, basically an hour ago, Rob Moore, the wide receivers coach who was in charge of New York recruiting, is now leaving and taking a job with the Buffalo Bills. And then you look at this class, and a lot of those recruits come from the Illinois and Florida areas. You know, you have 12, basically half the class, 12 recruits coming from those two states alone. Is it a big deal to you that Syracuse is having problems keeping New York State recruits in state? I don't think overall it's a big problem. Um, just for the fact that New York State is not the, the most populated state when it comes to Division One talent. Um, in, in the case for this year, um, they were looking heavy early at Curtis Samuels, uh, an athlete out of New York City, and then Thomas Holly uh, out of Brooklyn as well. Um, Samuels went to Ohio State, but he was a kid that from the moment the process started, he wasn't going to stay in New York State for, for, his, uh, for his college. He wanted to get out. So some people will look at that and say, oh, we lost, uh, you know, if they're Syracuse fans, they say, oh, we lost uh, Samuels to Ohio State. Well, he was going to go somewhere. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't Ohio State, he was going to go someplace else out of New York State. Um, losing Holly, that one, that one hurt a little bit for Syracuse. But then overall, you, you look at who else was out there. Um, they were looking at Jalen Williams for a while. They didn't care for Jalen Williams, his skill set, so they never really offered him. He ended up going to Pittsburgh. So it, it's kind of people will kind of look at it and overrate it a little bit. I, I think you can go around in, in heavy football areas like the Atlanta area, Chicago, down in South Florida, and find just as many players down there as you can in New York. You still want to bring in New York prospects, but you don't want to count on New York prospects to, to build up your football team. Ryan, we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, offensive coordinator George McDonald was quoted in Sports Illustrated uh, earlier this week saying, he wants an offense in the future that's really going to resemble some of those high-flying offenses down in the south. You look at Texas Tech, you look at Oregon. They have these, these high-octane, high-powered offenses um, that, that just run basically on speed. Where do you see this class falling in line with that philosophy that George McDonald was talking about? I think this class is, uh, fits the mold of, of what George McDonald is looking for perfectly. They're bringing in two athletic quarterbacks that can throw and, and run. 
then you look at the wide receivers. You've got two big guys on the outside and KJ Williams and, and Steve Ishmael. Then you've got Corey Cooper that probably end up being in the slot. Those are three fast guys right there. And then two guys that they'll probably convert into tight ends, Jamal Custis and Adley Anoisi, are uh, 6'6 and 6'5. So they're going to be a mismatch when it comes to uh, a safety or a defensive back won't be able to, to handle their height, and a linebacker is not going to be able to catch up with them with their speed. So I think right there um, they, they did a great job addressing that. They're bringing in a, a running back named Urban Phillips, who uh, Syracuse recruiting coordinator, um, director of recruiting operations, Eric White, compared to Tavon Austin on, on film, saying it's the best film since Tavon Austin. So he, he put him in the slot. You can line him up in the backfield. So there's a lot of speed going on uh, in this class, and it fits with what George McDonald's trying to do. Ryan, thanks so much for being on today. Again, Ryan Murray, CuseConfidential.com. If you don't subscribe, you're really missing out on some of the best Syracuse recruiting content out there on the Internet. Ryan, again, thanks so much for coming on today, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good, Wes. Again, Ryan Murray from CuseConfidential.com. If you, if you don't subscribe, you're missing out on not only some of the best football recruiting, but also the best basketball recruiting material out there. So that kind of segues perfectly into what I'm going to talk about next because I'm joined in studio by my very good friend, Andrew Cowie, 2003 national champion and, uh, and mentioned in the Daily Orange. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, Andrew, let's talk about some basketball. One of the biggest wins I've ever seen in the regular season um, against Duke on Saturday, one of the most hyped games, but it really lived up to the expectations, I thought. Back and forth, overtime, big shots, big responses. I mean, you had to have loved it. It was awesome. I mean, just as a basketball fan, it was just top quality. I mean, everyone making shots. You, you, when you watch a big game, sometimes you, even if you're not a fan of Syracuse or Duke, you're just watching a college basketball game, you can sometimes get frustrated with a bad turnover or why did the kid do that? Each possession was quality possessions, making big shots, making the right plays. And, and I was getting texts from friends who are just, who aren't, you know, Syracuse or Duke fans. They're just watching the big yeah. game thinking this is just a great game to watch as a, as a basketball fan. So that was awesome. I just thinking of how everyone played so well. And obviously you have to start with the senior leader, CJ Fair. He brought his A game for the A He's brought this A game for the A game. Absolutely. I mean, he, he was just unstoppable. Mid-range jumpers, dunks, three-pointers. And I just think that with him and then Ennis playing at such a high level, Syracuse is such a hard team to beat. It's tough. I mean, obviously, um, I, I think CJ got a little bit of benefit given the foul trouble of the other guys, and he had a pretty big mismatch. Um, so he took advantage of it and saw the opportunity. And same thing with Jeremy, you know, Grant late in the game. He had a huge, it was like me guarding him, you know. It's just throw it into him, you're going to score every time. So, you know, we, we took advantage of those situations. And it's, it's, uh, it's always great to get a big win on a, on a stage like that. So it was, it was impressive, to say the least. You've been a part of this team. And you've been a part of, you know, ESPN game day. And you have 30,000-plus people in the arena. And they're all screaming and they're all into the game. What is that like as a player? What is that like sitting there and watching and playing in these kind of games? I mean, it's a, it's, it is amazing. I mean, I've never been in the dome where it's been that, that many people. Obviously, yeah. it broke the record. But, um, you know, I remember my senior year when we played Connecticut when they were a top yeah. five team with Okafer yeah. and Ben Gordon, which eventually went on to win the national championship, uh, and we beat them. Uh, it's great. I mean, that's why I thought Monday's win was so impressive because I can tell you kind of an inside baseball is after Saturday's game, 
I'm pretty sure that because Beheim's made the same uh, comment to us as a team. Is after the game, he had to probably have his little speech. You know, great. You know, you guys show great heart. But he also probably said, "Listen, we have a game Monday. I'm not saying don't enjoy this win. This is a great win. Enjoy it. But what you do Saturday night is going to affect you on Monday." Huh. And so, but then I, as a player, would have gone to probably I would have gone to Hakeem. I would have gone to Josh. I would have gone to Melo and said, "Listen." Let's end your media uh, talk quickly because we're going out. Okay, we're, go- we're going to Marshall Street. I want to give short answers, and we're rounding up, and we're getting out because you have to enjoy. That's part of being in college. Yeah, enjoy. Sure. I mean, and so the fact that they, I'm sure they all went out. I'm sure they enjoyed. It. I'm sure they took care of themselves. They didn't go crazy, but they probably out two, three in the morning. Then you practice on Sundays. I think practice was at 11 o'clock. So you practice at 11. It was probably a walkthrough at best. But then you have to stay in the hotel Sunday night because you have to stay in hotels on home games. So you're not even in your own bed. And then you have a game on Monday, which isn't hyped. I'm, I'm sure when they went to class on Monday, every student was talking about the Duke game. They probably even know there was a game Monday. <laughs> so it, it, it's just a, the complete trap game. And you're playing a team that is a former Big East team, so they know how you play. It's not sure. like you could, you could easily get that win because they didn't know how to play against the zone. Yeah. So you throw all those factors in, and they still had a, a, a good win. And I, I think that was, that was almost, more, to me, more impressive than the Duke win, is, is seeing that type of comeback. You've been a part of some great games. I mean, you, you remember that pit game where the students rushed the court three times, <laughs> and, and that was basically the de facto number one team because yes, absolutely. the number one team lost that day, and Pitt was number two. And then you have um, that game against Missouri where, where GMAC hits that three-pointer. I'm sorry, against, uh, I think it was Notre Dame where right, hit the game right. winner. Um, Missouri, there were some great games that year. You have the six-overtime game. You have Jerry going off of 41 in the tournament. You obviously have the, the, the two games in New Orleans when you guys won it all. Where do you think this game ranks among all those great games that were played? You know, it's tough. I think, you know, it's got to rank pretty high up there just because it's Duke. I mean, that's, that's like playing the Yankees. That's a big, that's a big thing. And I think it, it's uh, breaking the record and just putting all those things together. Uh, obviously, it ended up then being number one because Arizona lost. And it was just you know, quality, just quality play. And it's not, you know, I remember watching the North Carolina game because I was excited about them to see an athletic team. And that was a, I, I stopped watching it after, you know, 10 minutes left in the second <laughs> half because it was just bad. But like, it was just right. ugly game. It yeah. was uh, turnovers and turnovers. Yeah. This, making shots, making shots, you know, Compelling three threes stuff. in a row. Then, then a, you know, it's just, it, it's just great to watch as, as a fan of, of basketball. Let me just pick up on something you said because now with Duke, the Duke win, and then the, combined with the Arizona loss, Syracuse is the top team in the country. And I know that you guys weren't number one until the very end of the season. Most important um, part, right? Yeah, the most <laughs> important part. Um, but, uh, and I don't know if you've talked with Coach Beheim about this or, or anyone else who, who's a current player or who's been number one before, but is that an advantage to be number one? Because it's great to be number one at the end because then you don't have to play anymore and then that's it, the end of the season's over and you move on. But midseason... Everyone, you got a target on your back. Everyone's giving you their best shot. There's a lot of pressure. They're undefeated. They have to keep winning to stay number one. And, you know, they have the, the, you know, the Madison Square Garden, the East Regionals on the line, and there's that regional in Buffalo. Like, is that an advantage or a disadvantage? I think it's, you know, I think it's great to be number one. Just, it's, it's got to be a great feeling to say we're number one. I mean, you can't, you, you got to love that. And I, but I also think it's, it's good for on the road because when you go to play a Wake Forest or an NC State, they're not ranked, so it's tough to get hyped, you know, oh, for I yourself. See. But yeah. 
but the crowd is so crazy right. there because they want to knock off the number one team. Right. It actually kind of gets you into, you know, I think it gets players into the game because it's a great atmosphere. It's not, a, it's not like half full and, and boring. So I think that helps. And I, I think the coaches kind of look at in terms of we need to stay number one to get that. They see, they're seeing down the road in March in terms of we need to be in New York City and we need to be, go to Buffalo because we know how, how much a home court advantage we're going to get. Um, and I think from the player's uh, standpoint, I think it's just great to be number one. And, and it just makes those, those tough road games a little bit more fun because the crowd, you know, they're there an hour early just going after you during warm-ups and it, and it gets you ready for the game. <laughs> Before we give our closing thoughts, I, I had one more um, thing to ask you and that, you know, when you first came on last season, and this is like the before the Final Four run, you said you had a special feeling about this team. They were going places. You were right. Um, earlier this year, you were saying, well, I don't know about this team. Uh, I need a little bit more time to decide. And now we're, you know, we're midway through ACC play now. What do you think about this team? Do you have that feeling, Andrew? Because Orange Nation is really hoping that you do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it, it determines my feeling. It's all about <laughs> what the players in Bayheim think. I, I, I'm still I'm hesitant because I'm, I, there's no dom, they're not, it's not like a dominance. Um, you know? And so I just feel anything could happen in that one game in the yeah. tournament. You know, you, I, I'm a little fearful of kind of the setting up as a trap yeah. in terms of that just a team in the second round or a Sweet 16 just goes nuts. Right. And what do you do? Um, but listen, I think we have we have an unbelievable team. We have great senior leadership. We have a point guard that I think we, everyone you know. But you hear Beheim talk about him. Um, if we get set up from a New York City to a Buffalo in terms of in the tournament, that's that's almost like a walk to the front. You think a walk like, to the front? That was like Albany to Boston. Absolutely. Except I mean, better. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I mean, we get, if we get that, that really takes that. That makes me feel a lot better. So um, you know, I, I think uh, the. the the places are, you know, it's rare. It's there to get get to the Final Four, so I, I definitely like to make a trip to San Antonio where it's nice and warm. <laughs> we need that these days. Uh, Andrew, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. My closing thought is I think, uh, you know, we were just talking about being number one and undefeated. I think, uh, you know, Wednesday's game, next Wednesday's game against Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh, yeah. a top 25 team, I think that's, there's your potential loss. But, I, but don't look at it if it does happen as a bad thing. I think it could be actually a good thing because the next two games are, are two games that – we would we should win that would kind of lead us up right up to the duke game so it kind of brings us back make you refocus so it almost could be if we if we lose that we, you never want to lose a game but if you lose that it could be a blessing in disguise my closing thought's going to be actually on you i'm glad you're in studio today because you were the lead of a daily orange article last week i don't even remember what the article was about but i do remember the lead which is that you're in practice and hakeem work is actually the weak part of the zone and you had a great uh, anecdote and uh, do you mind telling the listeners who have not read that article about that anecdote? It, it was about the zone, and I just said anytime uh, Hakeem was uh, on my side, you know, I was on the offensive side, and and he was on defense. So anytime uh, I saw him on the side, I wanted to be on that so I could shoot <laughs> because he wasn't exactly the best defender in the world. He, he was could get a little lazy. So and I always had the green light in practice. So uh, it was always anytime I can take advantage of taking a little shot at my former roommate uh, in the media, I'm always going to do that. It's, it's, it makes for fun conversation. Conversation, uh, later. Well, that that was a, a great quote, great anecdote, and uh, that's definitely my closing thought. Was uh, you know a tip of the hat to you. That's it for us. For Andrew Cowie, this is Wes Chang reminding you that my plumbing is all screwed up because, as it turns out, I do not own a garbage disposal. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>